0: As we come to our passage today, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We've been walking through this glorious book verse by verse, and we're going to see a shift in emphasis. First three chapters are filled with this beautiful doctrine, praise, and two different prayers. And now when we come to chapter 4, we move to duty is so that you and I walk the talk, like Pastor Ed does. Notice how Ephesians 4.1 begins, I therefore, because of what you now know to be true, this then is what you must do. You do know, don't you, that how we behave in life will always be determined by what we believe. So if you believe there's no God, well then you're just gonna live however you want. But if your beliefs are right, well, then our behavior should follow from our belief. So in the first half of the book, there are only two commands. We get to the (laughs) second half, we'll discover over 60 commands. Because Paul is moving from exposition to exhortation, from the indicative to the imperative, from orthodoxy, that's right belief, to orthopraxy, right behavior, from principle to practice. Another helpful way to understand Ephesians is by considering these three words, sit, walk, and stand. First half of the book, the emphasis is upon our position in Christ. Ephesians chapter two says, we are seated with him in the heavenly places. Listen, the Christian life begins with done, D-O-N-E, not with do. Jesus has done everything for us. Now you come to chapters 4 and 5, the emphasis is upon walking based upon what we know to be true. This then is how we live. We are to walk it out. And finally, in chapter 6, we're given some ways that you and I can stand against evil forces in the heavenly places. We don't have to run. No, the Bible says to stand. Well, let me take us there, Ephesians chapter 6, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Chapter 6, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. And thinking we might not get the message, he repeats it. Next verse, stand therefore, sit, walk, and stand. So as Paul moves from beliefs to behavior, the immediate context has to do with the glorious prayer that we found at the end of chapter 3. And last weekend, we learned this truth, that God loves to give us more strength than we can even ask for. When? Well, when we're fully surrendered to Christ. We learned how to live out the posture of prayer to make sure we're bowed in our hearts and we challenged ourselves if we were able to spend time literally on our knees praying. We looked at the petitions of prayer and finally the power of prayer. And then we concluded with a challenge to fully surrender to Christ. So when Christ comes into our lives, for some of us, we know we have not given it all to him. We're holding back. And this simple booklet, My Heart, Christ's Home, I read an abridged version of that last week to show that some of us don't let Jesus into certain parts of our life, like that closet that's foul-smelling, and you don't want anybody else to see what's in there. And if you'd like a copy of this booklet, they're available out at our resource center. Now, speaking of prayer, over 100 people gathered last Sunday night for a night of prayer. It was so moving. One of the highlights to me, the oldest person there was in his 90s, and there were a number of people in their 20s all praying together. So many people came that we didn't have enough chairs, and so some chose to stand and others chose to live out the application from last weekend's message, as they dropped to their knees in prayer. I'm so grateful to Pastor Kyle, Pastor Chris, and Pastor Chad for their servant leadership on that. Well, let's turn now to our text found in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. If you're able, let's stand and give attention to God's holy inspired inerrant and authoritative word which means if God says it that settles it and so we come underneath his word now let's read it in a spirit of worship I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You can be seated. As I meditated on these verses, I wrote down this statement, We all win when we walk as one. Here's the outline I see from the text. First, we need to exercise the right walk, and then we need to exert, it's going to take some work, the right kind of work, and then express the right oneness. So let's dive in, verses 1 and 2. Would you note, Paul says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Well, let me just pause there. So, technically, Paul's a prisoner of Rome, but that's not how he identifies himself. He identifies himself as a prisoner for the Lord. That's a good challenge for us. Because Paul was in a really hard situation. Some of you are in a really tough spot, a really hard circumstance. That might be relationally. That might be financially. There might be some things imploding in your life. It might be health issues. I don't know what it is, but God does, and you're burdened by that right now. Here's a suggestion. Let's try to see whatever circumstance we are in, like the apostle Paul, Paul did. Let's choose to see our sovereign Lord working his way and his will through whatever that situation or circumstances you are in right now for his glory and for your ultimate good. The word urge means to beseech, to come alongside with an appeal. This word is also used to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Would you know we're urged to walk? That's a synonym for our conduct, the way we live our lives. The word walk, though, also implies one step at a time. So perhaps today, at the end of the message, you just start thinking, what's my next step? What does God want from me? The other thing with walking, it implies progress. You're moving in a direction. So we're told to walk worthy of the calling to which you have been Called. This means we're to walk suitably or properly because we represent God to a watching world around us, which includes the invisible world. So if you're a Christ follower, you've been called to salvation, you've also been called to service wherever you are, whatever your occupation, you're called to live it out for his glory and for the sake of the gospel as you live on mission. So let me flesh this out. If you're a student, you are not just a student. You are a missionary cleverly disguised as a student. You are not just a welder. You are a missionary cleverly disguised as a welder. Or maybe you say, I'm just retired. No, you're not just retired. You are a missionary cleverly disguised as a retired person. You're not just a mechanic. You're a missionary cleverly disguised as a mechanic. You're not just a laborer. You're a missionary cleverly disguised as a laborer. You're not just an office worker. You are a missionary cleverly disguised as an office worker. Friends, we're called to exercise our calling now by displaying five different qualities which lead to unity within community. Let's look first at the first one, humility. Oh, right away we see with all humility. So not just a little humility, with like all humility. The word humility means not rising far from the ground. In the Greek world, humility was considered a vice. In fact, there was not a word in Greek or the Roman world for humility. Why? Well, humility was abhorrent to them. But I find it fascinating. Humility is the first quality on the list. Here's why. Because we can't have unity if we think we're better than those around us. Philippians chapter two, verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. C.S. Lewis said it like this, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Gentleness, Gentleness is often translated as meekness, but that's not the same as weakness. Why? Well, Jesus described himself that way in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, for I am gentle and humble, lowly in heart. This word was used of a very powerful horse that had been tamed or gentled. So gentleness is like a wild animal with its power in check. Unfortunately, many of us are more like wild mustangs than humble horses. Notice next, patience. Patience literally means long suffering. A patient person has the ability to suffer for a long time. The Greek word for patience means to be slow, to get angry, to have a long fuse and a short memory. Unfortunately, many of us have a short fuse and a long memory memory. Proverbs 14.9, whoever is slow to anger is great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. One of the best definitions I've ever heard of patience. Patience is a calm endurance based on the certainty that God is in control. Ah, when we know God's in control, helps us be patient. Next, and this one's probably going to mess with you as it's messed with me. I've had to preach this sermon twice already. Here we go. Forbearance, to bear with one another. <laughs> it means to put up with the shortcomings of other people. First Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all things. As we've been learning and many of us have experienced firsthand, every relationship we have can rupture like that so quickly. Same can happen in a church. The unity in a church can blow up so quickly. So if we don't work at it, our idiosyncrasies become irritants and then our unity unravels. And I don't think we do much bearing with other believers today. We kind of choose who we like and who we don't like. We avoid those who we don't like. We sound off, we run off, or we run somebody else off. Sometimes we square off and we want to knock someone off, but seldom do we put up with people. One pastor believes the Christian life is a life of putting up with other people. <laughs> Finally, love. Love's, it's not enough to just acknowledge that love is important. We're called to seek the highest good of others. John thirteen thirty four. Jesus challenges us. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Oh, let me just point out the obvious. That's not a suggestion. That's a command from Jesus himself. Rebecca Manley Pippert concludes her book called Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World with a very moving story. When she moved to Portland, Oregon, they got involved in campus ministry, and she met a student. His name was Bill. Bill stood out because, well, he was always a bit disheveled. His hair was never combed. He wore old clothes, he wore yellowed t-shirts, and the biggest thing that stood up, about, uh, stood out about Bill is he never wore shoes. Summer, winter, spring, fall, Bill was always barefoot. Rebecca Pippert writes, Bill became a Christian, but his appearance didn't change. Well, near the campus was a church made up of mostly well-dressed middle-class people, and One Sunday, Bill decided to worship there. He walked into church with his messy hair, dirty jeans, yellow t-shirt, without shoes. People looked at him. They became a little uncomfortable, but no one said anything. Well, Bill began walking down the center aisle looking for a seat, and he couldn't find one. So he made his way all the way down front without finding a seat so he decided to just plop down on the carpet right down in the front well he was used to that he went to bible studies in his dorm that's what college students do they sit down on the carpet and have their bible study but that kind of unnerved the congregation Uh, she writes that you could feel tension in the air in this rather formal church Well, suddenly, in the back, those doors opened, and an elderly deacon who had trouble walking made his way down the aisle. All eyes were on this deacon. Some were thinking, yeah, he needs to tell this guy to move. He made his way down slowly. Everybody watching, you could hear a pin drop. And when the man reached Bill with great effort, he sat down on the carpet with Bill and worshiped with him for the rest of the service. There was not a dry eye in that service that day. That deacon was exhibiting humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, and love. Friends, when we do the same, God is glorified and the church is unified. We all win when we walk as one. Well, notice next, we're called to exert the right work. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word eager means we go after it. We're not passive. We're earnest, diligent, make haste strive, labor. Maintain means to watch or observe attentively. This is a present participle meaning we're to be constantly maintaining our unity. We must work at watching our unity all the time. Oh, let me point something out. We don't work to attain unity. We maintain the unity we already have through the Holy Spirit and what he has accomplished. Uh, Check out a few other verses. 1 Corinthians, he's writing to a church filled with division and disunity. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind, the same judgment. Psalm 34, 14, seek peace and go after it. Romans 14, 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So here's a question. Are you a peacemaker or a breaker? I heard about two Quakers who were having an intense conversation. One turned to the other and said this. You know, sometimes I think that everyone in the world is a bit off, except for me And thee. (laughs) And sometimes I wonder about thee. (laughs) I was challenged by a sermon this week in which the pastor gave some applications and I thought since this messed with me, I'm going to share the pain with you. So here we go. If you're quick to get angry, you need to work on patience. If your tendency is to be proud, arrogant, egocentric, and boastful, well, you need to work on humility. If you are insensitive, rough, or bossy, you need to work on gentleness. If you struggle with being intolerant with the shortcomings of other people, well, you need to work on bearing with one another in love. And if unity among fellow brothers and sisters is not a priority for you, it's time to make it a priority. Let me come back to something I've heard Pastor Ed say over the years. When you and I are in a conflict or we come across conflict or somebody's gossiping to us, we have a choice at that moment. Pastor Ed says you can either throw gasoline on that and watch it just blow up, or you can pour water on it and bring the heat down. Pastor Ed is a master at putting out fires, even the ones he starts. (laughs) Oh, I love that guy. Marty, was that you laughing? (laughs) So we all win when we walk as one. Notice number three, we're to express the right oneness. So it's important. We're talking about unity, but it's not unity for unity's sake. We don't compromise our beliefs. We don't compromise what the Bible says. We're united around doctrinal truth so the key to unity is to make sure we are worshiping our triune god for his worth and his work so listen as i read verses four through six and listen for all three members of the trinity there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We need to be urged toward unity. Here's why. Our default is to divide. I'm reminded of this quote. Perhaps you've heard it. To live above with saints we love, oh, that would be glory. But to live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. (laughs) Now, we see seven ways God has worked to make us one. So you and I need to tether ourselves to these truths. Number one, one body. Every born-again believer is part of the universal body of Christ. So many of us are members of Edgewood, but we're members of the small C church. We must never forget we're also members of the global big C, capital C church. Church, That's one reason we're doing our Easter outreach on Saturday, March 23, 23rd, with five other gospel-preaching churches here in Rock Island. That's also why we must pray for the persecuted church. It's not just an option. Here's why. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to Hebrews 13, 3. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. We're members of the same body. A couple years ago, I led a devotional for the leadership team at Youth Hope. Youth Hope's one of our GO! team partners. And uh, incidentally, I'll be interviewing Mark Drake. He's the executive director of Youth Hope on the 4G podcast this week. And if you haven't heard Pastor Kyle interview Pastor Chad about worship last week, I encourage you to check that out. Well, here's what I said at the beginning of this devotional. So these are staff members who serve at Youth Hope. This is what I said. I understand Youth Hope partners with 65 churches. That's incredible. And then I said, I'd like to go around the room and have you shout out the name of your church. And as you do that, we'll keep track of how many different churches are represented here on staff. I don't remember that exact number, but as I recall, the total number was around 10. And so I said, so 10 churches are represented here, right? Then I said, let me do the math again, and let's do a recount. (laughs) Because actually, that number is inaccurate. Because while we're part of many different local churches, we are members of one church. See, every born-again believer, no matter what church they're in, they are our brother and sister in Christ. We experience that. We experience it again. Uh, JT drives for Celebrate Recovery. One of my pastor friends has a big van. The church has a big van, and they let JT use that to bring like 12 people to Celebrate Recovery. Why? Because we're members of the same church. Notice next, one spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned some 12 times in Ephesians. The same Holy Spirit is in all believers, making us one, one hope. Every believer has the same hope of heaven because of salvation. One Lord, there's only one Lord, and his name is Jesus Christ. Someone has said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all one faith we're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God alone so this faith though also refers to biblical doctrine like this body of truth that must be guarded and church we will not cave to culture we will not water down biblical truth we see this in Jude chapter 1 verse 3 beloved i was eager to write to you about our common salvation i found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith know what you believe and why you believe it and make sure you're communicating to that communicating that to those who don't believe it notice next one baptism Now, that could refer to the baptism by which we become members of the body of Christ at conversion, or it could refer to water baptism, which is what we just witnessed this morning. All that's part of the Great Commission. We're told to go and make disciples, Matthew 28, words of Jesus, of all nations, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, baptism for believers by immersion is an outward picture of an inward reality. So I want to just list the names of those who were baptized because we got to witness some, but there were more, um, so that if you know them, you could reach out to them and encourage them this week. Rob Wheeler was baptized last night. Amy Van Severin, Jay Durnell, Kenna Fryman, Katie Burke, Melody Brooks, Peyton Doran, Carter and Natalie Cargill, Mabel Knowles, and Frank and Linda Dexter. Just this week, I heard an update where Far East Broadcasting was part of a church outreach that saw 1,700 baptisms. And so we have a pretty clean baptistry here. Our custodian, Darlene, does a great job on that. It's heated. It's nice. But it's good for us to be reminded the situation in which some believers, this is a picture of baptisms in Mozambique. And there's other places around the globe, those who get baptized are in danger of, of losing their own lives in hard, hard situations. So there's one baptism, and finally, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's only one God, and he is the father of all who come to faith in, to him in faith. He's over everything which means he's sovereign, he's powerful, he's transcendent. He works through all, which means he's involved in everything, weaving his way and his will according to his purposes, and he's in all, meaning he's close and personal. One of Pastor Ed's most impactful ministries these past 45 years is ministering to families while leading funeral services. It's really hard to even estimate how many funerals Pastor Ed has conducted. But in talking to Marie Guyton and to his wife, Sheila, uh, we estimate that Ed has conducted at least 400 funerals. That's a lot of eulogies. That got me thinking about a new trend. The new trend is to share a eulogy with someone while they're still living. And so I decided to share Pastor Ed's eulogy at Second Winders on Thursday. So if you'd like to read that, I encourage you to do so. I posted the manuscript on my Facebook page as well as the Edgewood Facebook page group and page. The videos now on the Second Winders page as well. Well, the word eulogy is derived from the Greek term eulogos, The U means good or well, logos means a word or speech, so a eulogy is a good speech or praise. We give praise to a person, whether they're living or they're passed away. So eulogies for the living, then, offer a unique and powerful way to express our gratitude, our admiration, our love towards someone special while they're still here to hear it. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So, as a way to build unity within the body of Christ here at Edgewood, I have just one action step today. Let's work this week to express our appreciation through words, through words to someone, to a brother or sister in Christ, while they're still here to hear it. So specifically, think of three things that you appreciate about three different people this week and then tell them in person, perhaps you'll do it today, through a phone call, through a text or a note in the mail. And maybe for one of those people, it would be somebody that you struggle to bear So if you do that for me, I know you're struggling to bear with me. So, So we all win when we walk as one.